Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Hallelujah. Um, Last week I didn't get to finish, but at least I'm glad I finished on the main point of Zafnaf Pania. Now, I, I spoke about how when you, when you read the Bible very carefully, and I need to repeat this point, that if you read the Bible and you don't see Jesus, you haven't read the Bible. If you read the Bible and you don't see Jesus, if you read the Bible anywhere in the text and you don't see Jesus, even a word in the Bible, once you open this, the Bible, the scripture, and you read, uh, um, um, consecrate a fast, it's, a, it's talking about Jesus. It's not a book for advice. It's not a book for theological exercise even though it's actually profitable yes. for theology. Yes. You can get glean so much advice from the scripture. Uh-huh. But the scripture, John 5 to 39, it said you search through the scriptures, thinking that in them you have eternal life. And these are, the, these are they, and these are they, which testify, the scriptures just testify of me. So if you read any part of scripture, you don't see Christ, you haven't read it. As I said last Sunday, you have to put on your sunglasses. S-O-N, not S-U-N. S-O-N glasses so you can see. And I was, I was, I was giving references, I made reference to a certain movie called National Geographic. Treasure. National Treasury, rather, oh sorry. National Treasury, where they found the map, but you, they needed a particular glass that has some lens in that will make them see the coded message and the coded map within the map. If you read the Bible just for mental exercise, you missed God. You end up with arguments. And you, you end up with questions. But if you read it with sang- looking for Jesus, even one verse will be so nourishing. One verse will be so satisfying. There's something. So those of you say, when I read the Bible, I don't understand. It's because you are not reading and looking for Christ. You are reading and looking for mental uh, argument or some reasoning. The scripture is very reasonable, but it's not a book for reason. Actually, in John chapter one, I want to be like um, I'm, I'm talking like um, American president. In John chapter 1, the Bible actually says that, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. The Greek word translated the word is logos. Everyone say logos. So in the beginning was the word. And it talks about there is not, verse 2 said nothing was made. He was in the beginning. Verse 3 says that all things were made by the word and without the word was nothing made that was made. It says in the beginning was the word. The Greek word translated the word is logos. Let's all say logos. Logos is the word from which we derive logic. Logic. So logic, the word logic is derived from the Greek word logos. Logic, the reason behind things. The reason why things exist. And it's the same word you get logic from, the suffix logic, so biology, theology, you know, zoology, 
and all those logics. So what's biology? The study or the reason why bios. Bios is natural life. Okay, so the reason behind natural life, theology, theos, theo, theo, theos, God, the reason behind God, the study of God, you understand that? Zoology, what about that? Zeus. <laughs> Animals, all right. So the, the reason why the animal life is the way it is. So logi, logos, is the reason behind it. Things, and Jesus in the beginning was the logos. And so Jesus is actually the reason, the chief reason behind everything. Once you miss Jesus, you have missed the purpose for everything. So, when you read the text of scripture, first thing that you are supposed to see is Christ. Because the text, the purpose of the text of scripture is to point you to the text of scripture. If you read the scriptures, the scripture, and you don't see Christ, you have actually missed the purpose of the scripture. In fact, Bible says that, and from Moses, Luke chapter 24, verse 27, from Moses, he began to show them through all scripture. What is, he said, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all this, in how many? All the scripture, the things concerning himself. So when you read Genesis, it's Jesus about Jesus. Adam, the first man created, is, is a type of Jesus, as I said last time. It's a type. When I explain a type to be something that is like an example. So when you look at Adam and study Adam very carefully, Adam is in a lot of positive, positive and glorious ways like Jesus. All right, so that makes him a type. And then when you look at, so Adam was a type of Jesus, in what way? He was the federal representative of man. He sinned, all of us sinned. Jesus is a federal representative of the called. He lived righteousness and we are all right, righteously and we are all righteous in God. So you, you go to Christ, when you go to God, it's not based on your righteousness, it's based on his righteousness. Uh, you need to listen to that, Zaphineth part two. Because it's not based, we, we, there are two types of righteousness that we get when you become a, a believer, two righteous, two garments. The one righteousness is the one that Jesus gives you, which is the golden, right, golden garment. That's what the prodigal son got when he came back home, Luke chapter 15, verse 22. He came back home and they gave him, he said, bring the ring, put it on it, and bring the garment, put the garment upon him so bring out the best robe the robe and they put you on him that is that's the one but he didn't get the robe of victory he just got the robe of sonship so when you become born again you get the garment of sonship to be accepted by God but the robe of victory which is in Revelation chapter 9 verse 7 uh, I see I'm going back into the thing I'm not supposed to be doing Revelation chapter 9 verse 7 uh, Re- Re- Revelation chapter 9 verse 7 uh, verse, let, let's, I think I just missed the text rather you go forward a bit from to verse 10 or so uh, verse 11 chapter 11 I'm sorry chapter 12 chapter 12 verse 9 something like, something like that Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 where it talks about that they they, 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 they receive garments so the great no oh, it can't be the dragon no. chapter 11 <laughs> Chapter 11. <laughs> it's chapter 11, yes. Chapter 11, verse 7, I think I've got it right. 7 to 9, somewhere there. I got it right. When they finish the bottom, okay, verse, verse 9. Let's see verse 9. If this one, just move on. And the nations will, okay, I just, oh, it's chapter 19, verse 7. All right, this time, I can't get it wrong. Chapter 19, verse 7. I need to get this. Chapter 19, verse 7. Let's be glad. I told you I won't get it wrong. Let us... Let us be glad and rejoice, giving glory for the marriage of the Lamb. Hey! The Lamb is about to get married. Hey! The marriage of the... This is not an ordinary Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife. The reason why Jesus came to die because of his wife. And his wife has made herself ready. Go to the next verse. And to her, to the wife, it was, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, 
For the fair linen is the righteous acts. Acts, say acts. What are acts? Your works, the things you do, your righteous behavior is going to constitute your garment. The second garment is the garment of victory and that has got to do with your works after you are born again. So those of you who are fornicating and pornographing, hey, you don't mean to, if you don't rejoice, I'll even say it more. <laughs> Gossiping and fighting and hating and harboring bitterness, you are soiling your garment. Your garment is meant to be made of fine linen, which is the acts of the saints. And when we are all going for the wedding supper, we're all going to wear it. Other than that, it will be like Matthew chapter 25, where the five foolish virgins was, were waiting for the wedding, but by the time the bride arrives, or the groom comes, by the time it was time to go in, they, we didn't have lamb, um, oil in their lap, they had to go and they missed the wedding. Like Matthew chapter, I think 22, when Jesus says that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, from verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a man who, 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 see, a certain king who, who arranged a marriage for his son. Huh? Think about it. Think about it. I feel like coming down, but I'm trying to hold myself up. The kingdom of heaven. So tell us what is heaven is all about. How is heaven? Oh, the kingdom of God, the relationship. What is it about? He said, oh, it is like a, a king who is arranging a marriage for his son. Who is the son and who is the king? And who is the one who is going to be married? And the marriage, and then this story tells us they invited people, the original people who invited, they didn't come. So they said, invite everybody, both bad, bad, both bad and good, let them come. But even though you have been saved, in spite of how bad you have been or how good you have been, it doesn't mean you can stay in anyhow. So someone came with the wrong attire. They said, what are you doing here? What, why did you come to this wedding without properly dressed? It's that, get him, throw him out of this place. And Jesus said, that's how it's going to be like when the son of man is coming. You are saved, but there'll be surprises. <laughs> They're gonna, you have to listen. The message is on wherever, on a website, something. Listen to it. I took my time to explain it. So the garments, okay. So when you, when you read the Bible, everything about the Bible, what the Bible says, the seed is in Genesis. So Jesus is uh, uh, the last Adam. And then we go to um, uh, Abel. He was killed by his brother. Hmm, who was killed by his brothers? He was killed by his innocent man. He was yet didn't done anything wrong, just doing what is right to please God. Someone's jealousy killed him. That's that. So he was a type of Christ. I said all that in last week, so I don't want to go on. And then we come to Isaac, we even Enoch, Noah, Noah's ark, type of Jesus Christ, Isaac. And then Isaac was a type of Jesus Christ in a phenomenal way because he was the only son of his father, as God recognized. All right. And he was the son who was given up by his father for sacrifice. All right. So, and then he, not only that, he was the son who inherited everything the father has got. Yeah. All right, so Isaac was very much like Jesus. Then we come to Joseph. So last week, I took, I took my time to explain that in fact, there's other objects and other things in the Bible that are all a shadow, a type of Christ. But Joseph is one person that typifies, so when I use the word typify, does that make sense? Yes. Typifies, it's like foreshadows, it reflects Okay, so typify is a theological word which makes sense. It's a type of Christ, so he typifies, typifies. Does that make sense? So Joseph is one person who typifies Christ more into greater details. Joseph, he typifies Christ. In what sense? No, the, the, the best, but there are others who typify, but Joseph's uh, typifying Christ was amazing. And I gave you five, how many? Did I give you last week? All right, let's go over it quickly so that we can pick it from there. So in the first place, Joseph, um, what did I say last, the other time? In what way does he typify Christ? 
Number one, he was a shepherd. Christ is the shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11 says that I'm the good shepherd. And then number two, the father's beloved. You know, Christ was the beloved of the father. In fact, he said, a voice came from heaven and said, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So God said, Jesus is his beloved son, just as Joseph was his father's beloved son. And Joseph was sent by his father. Oh, yes, the last night the teaching was something else. Saturday nights tend to be very interesting, very deep and profound. Last night in the service, the teaching was something else. I spoke about how his father, Joseph's father, sent him to go and look out for the welfare of his brothers. Can you imagine if he had missed that sending? He would have missed his destiny. Some of you are waiting to hear God come from heaven. Hey, my daughter, my... A voice. You are sleeping. And then a voice comes. Can I use you, Pastor? Yes. You are shaking in your bed. Mm. Shaking your bed. Shaking your bed. <laughs> <laughs> this, mm, it looks like it's a proper mm. so, <laughs> My son, my son, mm. I am the Lord who, who created, created the heavens and earth. I have come. come. I have come. come. I'm, I'm coming, coming to send you to waiting for that. <laughs> you will never hear that. But what will you hear? Your pastor who is representing God in the service telling you tomorrow we are all, Saturday we are all going to win souls in Clapham. That is because his father sent him to go and give food to his brothers. I'm sorry, to go and check on the welfare of his brothers. But when you read Psalm 105, verse 17, Bible says that he sent a man ahead of them. He, God, sent verse 16 to make sense. Look at verse 16. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land and destroyed all the provisions, uh, so the, the provision of bread. That's God doing that. And God sent a man before them. What is his name? Joseph. What's his name? Joseph. He sent Joseph, but God never told him, Joseph! Joseph! I said, here I am, Lord. Rise up and go to Egypt. Never once. His father said, Joseph, go and look out for your brothers, their welfare. Go. Genesis chapter um, 30, 37, from verse 16, 17, somewhere there. He says that he sent, oh, sorry. Genesis says, his father sent him to go and look out for his brother's welfare. And when he went, he said to him, please go see if it is well with your brothers. And whatever. So he sent him. His father sent him. But guess what? That was the sending of God. At the time his father was sending him, that was the sending of God. Out. His father didn't know he was not going to see him. Some of us are waiting. I've told you by the preaching that that relationship is toxic for your future. You are waiting to see a special dream with a man, snake coming out of his mouth before you know that this thing. (laughs) Some of us are so spooky. We, we believe in all kinds of superstition. I have to tell you, God will speak to you. No, see, Pastor, see how God sent Joseph to Egypt. His father said, can you go and check your brothers? That was the God sending him. But the guy was a patriarch. His father was a patriarch. So God was playing out his program through him without his father actually actively knowing. Didn't you hear the testimony? Who is that person who said, I was preaching, and the person had a dream of snakes? So where's Sophia at? He said, Sophia or Sophia, where is you? You had a dream and you saw snakes and something and then you were not feeling well. And I was preaching. Was it here or the prayer meetings? It was here. And what did I do? It was Pastor Frank's birthday. It was Pastor Frank's birthday. That's 11th of June. 11th of June. And the spirit started moving. And after a while... The spirit started moving and after a while... You told the congregation to start speaking in tongues. I told the congregation to start speaking. And what did I do to you? I... I I was just standing on my seat. I just felt like you had to pray for me. You felt like I had to pray for you. I didn't know what exactly it was, because from the so what happened? And I prayed for you. Did you tell me to pray for you? I just held you, touch you, and then what did I say? 
said you cast and bind I, every serpentine. I, I, I cast, I want I say? You cast and bind every serpentine. I cast and bind every serpentine spirit. Meanwhile, the night, was it the night before of you? You had seen what? I killed two snakes. You killed two snakes and, uh, in, your, in your dream. With my mom. With your mom. And when you woke up, you were not feeling quite. No, I just, I couldn't be bothered. You couldn't be bothered. That's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. And how would I know? I held her and I said, I bind and cast out any serpentine spirit. I, if I didn't hear the testimony, I wouldn't have known. Because it wasn't an active and conscious intention. I don't even know as I'm holding this brother. I'm, something is being. See that? Please be seated. So if you trivialize God, your destiny will be capped and trivialized. His father said, go, give food. But that was God sending. In fact, when his brothers met him in Genesis chapter 45, verse, I think verse 7, verse 7, verse, yeah, verse 7, I think so. Genesis 45, verse 7. He said, God, he said, and God sent me before you to preserve. How did God send him? Joseph, no. Father said, go and check on your brothers. Wow. Your pastor can give you a simple instruction. It may be the voice of God. You are going to ask Benham to go and fast. To, to, my friend, that, that just some of those superstitious extremities, it doesn't help. It's good to fast. It's good to wait on God. But most of the things we are going to wait on God and fast for, God has already spoken to you. If you have... If you are being pastored, it's easier to follow in the, in the plan of God for your life. Some of us are not being pastored. We, are, we don't allow ourselves to be pastored because you are ogre in your own right. You do what you want to do. No one can tell me what I should do. I do what I want to. I'm just coming to church. Just preach the word. Just preach the word. That kind, that kind of mindset, it's, it's not healthy. He said, I'll give them shepherds after my heart who feed them. Feed them with their life, food of life. Hmm. Anyway, I don't want to digress. So Joseph went to feed, went to see his brothers, and that was God sending him. So he was sent to his brothers, and Jesus also was sent to us. He said, I don't do anything of my own. What I see the father do, that I do. I was sent. So Joseph was sent just, just even as Jesus was also sent. So he's very much like Jesus Christ when it comes to the matter of sending. And then Joseph was hated, persecuted, and betrayed. Wasn't the same with Jesus. Hated, persecuted, and betrayed and by, by, by his Judas. And... Um, let me, I said this during the week that, listen, if you want God to raise you, one of God, God's means of raising people is betrayal, okay, and imprisonment. So, are you trying to say, I'm not going to, no, no, you don't have to go to prison. But God will take you through a process. People will abandon you and betray you. It's normal. Anybody God raises suffers betrayal and imprisonment. It's like things have confined you in a situation that is, is, is difficult. All right, let's, let's rush through this thing and I need to finish. Uh, to be honest, uh, time is. So Joseph was betrayed. Okay, number five, I spoke about how he was cast into prison. You know what? Let me leave and go to number six. He, um, he was released from prison. In what way is it like Jesus? Jesus was buried, but he was resurrected. All right. And then number seven, Joseph was enthroned with authority. How about Jesus? At the resurrection, he was enthroned into glory. All right. Now, Point number eight is where I spoke about heavily last week about he when uh, Jesus, uh, Joseph when he was enthroned in Genesis chapter forty one verse forty two Bible says that let's all read it from the screen I think that would be helpful let's all read it from the screen let's go let's all do that please let's go he signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him with garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck so he gave him three things. His ring, um, uh, the garment, all right, G garments, not garments, garments, and then the last one is gold chain. 
When Joseph was enthroned, he received gifts. In Psalm 68, verse 18, he says that Jesus Christ, when he ascended on high, he received gifts. Remember, he said, you have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive, you have received gifts amongst men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. So, Jesus Christ received gifts, Joseph received gifts in his ascension. When Joseph was enthroned, he was giving gifts. When Jesus was enthroned, he was giving gifts. Does that make sense? And um, the part two of Zephanath Pania is more about this. Because the gift Jesus received, he didn't receive for himself. He received for us because he is the head of the church. All right, so whatever he has belongs to the church. Then point number, um, what, what point is nine? All right. Am I not doing good? Very fast now. Yeah, point number nine. Joseph, let's look at chapter 41. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 41. There is someone here who has bidded for, a, I think, a major contract, or you have put it on application for, it's job-related. It's big, very big something. This week, you'll hear good news. <laughs> the Lord just spoke to my heart. This week, you shall hear good news in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, Genesis chapter what? 41, and that's where, verse 45, that's where he gave him his name, all right. Um, and Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Pania. Okay, Zaphnath Pania, and he gave him as a wife, as Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. So Joseph went out all over the land of Egypt. Now, Zaphnath Pania, Means, you remember, number one, what does it mean? The revealer of secrets, number two. Savior of the world, number three. Sustainer of life. That name Pharaoh gave to, jo watch this, Joseph, it was true in Joseph's situation because he revealed secrets. He revealed the secret of Pharaoh's dream, which no one could do. So, and he revealed the secret of the uh, his fellow inmates in prison. Yeah. So the guy is a revealer of uh, secrets. And then number two, he also um, savior of the world. In what way did he save the world? In Genesis chapter 47, verse 25, the Egyptians came and said, you have saved our lives. They, so they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in your sight, uh, in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Joseph, this day you're talking to Joseph, that Joseph, you saved Allah. In what way? Do you know that if Joseph had not given the interpretation of the dream and, and the system to preserve food, humanity would have been wiped off? Yes. He was the savior. It, it, listen, the famine was not only in Egypt. According to Genesis chapter 45, verse 43, I'm sorry. Yeah, Genesis chapter 43, verse 1. Genesis chapter 43 said, Now the famine was severe in the land, verse 2. And it came to pass, when they had eaten up the, uh, the grain which they had bought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy a little food. Now, this is talking about uh, Jacob and his sons. The famine was... Go to chapter 42, verse 1. Chapter 42, verse 1, please. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his son, why do you look at one another? Go to the verse two, watch this. And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to the place and buy us food there that we may live and not die. If you don't go to Egypt, you are dying. Life was in Egypt, not because of um, because they were giving life as it were, but you need food to live. And there was famine everywhere, just like our, our time and our world. There is famine everywhere. The only way you can go and get spiritual food is Christ. Yeah. And he said, I'm the bread that came from heaven. Yeah. He said, all the bread, all the food you eat cannot take care of you. There is famine. And Jesus has, and you know the storehouse of, God, of Jesus, his storehouse is the church. His thoughts is the church, and the church is the place for spiritual food for our generation and for the world. They were dying everywhere, so Joseph was the only one who was the supplier of food around the world. You have to travel. If you don't want to go to Egypt, then you have to die. 
You have to go to Joseph. If you don't come to Jesus, you will die in your sins. Doesn't matter what religion you practice. You see, when it comes to life, it's not about religion anymore. It's not about when your doctor is coming to save you, you are there. He's like, oh, what's your religion? It doesn't matter. Please just save my life. Just do the prayer. This thing is killing. Remove that tumor. So when it comes to life, Jesus Christ is the only means to get life. So when he gave Joseph that name, Zaphnaphania, it means that revealer of secrets. Jesus Christ reveals secrets. The Bible says that he began to tell them parables. Matthew chapter 13. And he told them so many parables and verse 11 told them that to you these things are revealed. To the others they don't have a clue. So Jesus is the only one who can actually let us know the depths of spiritual things. How they really are. He's a revealer of secrets. He's a, in fact, he says that I'm, when I go, unless I go, the comforter will not come. When the spirit of truth comes, he said, he will reveal to you what is to come. Because he will be acting on my behalf. So Jesus is the revealer of secrets. And guess what? So he is the supplier of food. Okay. The, or the sustainer of life. Joseph Nafania, revealer of secrets. A savior of the world, savior of life, and then sustain. You need food to be sustained. Jesus is the only one who can sustain our lives. All right. So Joseph typified Jesus in a very glorious way, but chief amongst it all is this Zaphonath Pania way. Because really, who is the savior of the world? In Acts chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, and I think verse 12, verse particular, verse 11, 12, 13, it says that this is the stone which the builders. Uh, rejected, uh, which was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, verse, verse 12. No, is there salvation in any other form? There is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. Verse, verse 13. Okay, so when they saw the bonus, so there, it's talking about Jesus Christ. There's no other name to guarantee salvation. No other name. So salvation is only in Jesus. In fact, the name Jesus means God our Savior. When Mary, uh, the angel appeared to Mary in Matthew chapter 1, he says that you give birth to a child and his name shall be Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 1. Particularly the Matthew chapter 1 account, verse 21 to 23 says that he shall be called Emmanuel. But the verse 21, it says that behold, a virgin verse 21, and they said, uh, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now Jesus, uh, for he shall, see, that's even the meaning is there, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is the savior. Let's all say Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the savior. So when you look at Joseph's life very carefully, you see Jesus in the, in the life. He reflects Jesus so much. But chief amongst it all was that name Pharaoh gave to him, Zaphnath Pania, which meant that he was the savior of the world, the sustainer of life, and a revealer of secrets. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, I, because of time, let me just jump over that, move from there, because um, I've said a lot about that. But um, the tenth point, the tenth point is that, oh, I like this point. This point is good. It will bless you. Are you ready for this point? Chapter 40, eh? ninth or tenth? The, tenth? the ninth point is, he's the savior of the world. All right, sustainer of life. But tenth point, I like this. I think we have to read the text first. Genesis chapter 41, verse 45. Oh my word. Thank you, Jesus. Someone say thank you, Jesus. Are you sure you are ready for this? Oh, this is so sweet. Oh, I love God's word. Watch this. He said, verse 45. Hmm. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Panea. Is that all? Let's read the B part. A wife. Daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph went out. So Joseph got a wife. He didn't, go, he didn't get a Hebrew wife. He got a Gentile wife. Potiphar is Egyptian. Joseph's wife was Egyptian. The 
first Egyptian woman who came into the Hebrew lineage was called uh, Ishmael's mother. Hagar. He was the Egyptian maid of Sarah. So the son he produced was rejected because he was the son out of the flesh. He got to Egypt the son of the world. The second one, Abraham had a, a few experiences. The second Gentile was Keturah. Hey, Keturah. Keturah. <laughs> Genesis 25, verse 1. He got Keturah and he produced six children. Listen, the, Pastor, this is very interesting. He couldn't have, his wife couldn't give a child, bear a child. And so his wife said in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, go into my maid. And the maid of um, Abraham, Sarah was then um, Hagar. And Abraham said it's a good idea. He went into Hagar. Hagar conceived and bore a child and called him Ishmael. Chapter, um, chapter 16, verse 13. All right, Genesis 16, 15, sorry. Genesis 15, 16, 15. And then she, 15. And then so, 16:15, Genesis. So he, got, he gave birth to a child and then called him. Hagar bore a son to Abraham and called his name uh, Ishmael. God said, it's not Ishmael I'm looking for. And so, Abraham waited and waited and waited. According to, say, according to Romans chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. You need to know this, okay? It's necessary to get to know. Romans chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him, in the presence of God, whom Abraham believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls the things which be not as though they were. Listen to this. Go to the verse, verse 18. Who, contrary to hope, believed that he might become the father of many nations, according to what was speaking, spoken, so shall your descendant be. What's wrong with someone believing to be a father? The problem there was, at the time they told him you are going to be a father, so shall your descendant be. Go to verse 19. Verse 19 is the key point. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already what? Abraham's body was already dead. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that he is dead. His body. What it takes to impregnate a woman, he's lost it. He was non-functional anymore. So by the time he was giving birth to Ishmael, he was functional. 13 years later, God's way to everything to go off. So I think Sarah saw that the light was getting off. That's why he took Hagar, give it, give, give her, so that at least whilst there is power, you can produce. But afterwards, afterwards, not, nature sets in and Abraham's body was dead. In other words, there was no way he can produce conception because he cannot go into a woman because you need strength to go into a woman. Now, and then the next verse, verse, verse 19 again says that and Sarah's womb was already dead. Uh, no, no, about, uh, his body, since he was about 100 years, that's why he was, his body was dead. 99 year old man, he can't function. But the interesting thing is after Sarah died, Genesis chapter 25, after he, God resurrected his dead body, Abraham again took a wife and her name was Keturah. And what did he do to Keturah? And she bore him. So after God revived his body, he was able to continue working. Restoration came into his body, and I believe Abraham was going to die. He said, I've got the power! <laughs> May the resurrection God brings to your life stay sustained and produce more in the name of Jesus. Sometimes when God is giving you a job, you lose your job, he's blessing you with a job. He doesn't just bless you with a job that will replace the other one. He gives you the job that will create better opportunities for you. So Abraham, okay, let's get this. Abraham went into Keturah and gave birth and um, um, he gave birth to six, six strong guys. So for over 10 years, almost 12 years, he was still enjoying the goodness of God. Amen. May you enjoy the goodness of the Lord. So you can tell that Abraham walked with God and God blessed him and he was, he was, he was doing well. So the, the point here is that Abraham went into an Egyptian and it didn't work. They, when it was time for Isaac to marry, Abraham called his servants. 
I think Genesis chapter 24. He said, I do not want my son to marry amongst, so go, make a covenant with me that you find a wife for my son amongst my people. So he sent his servant to go way back to his people to go and get a wife. And so when Jacob was about to get a wife too, he went to his mother's place, hometown, and got a wife from the safe area. How come Joseph? Joseph got an Egyptian wife to produce uh, uh, um, um, Manasseh and Ephraim. Joseph. So Joseph was the one in the lineage of the patriarch, even though he was not the, uh, he was not like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. No, it's not with Joseph, but uh, Jacob. But Joseph was very significant because Genesis, oh, I like this. Genesis, the book of Genesis could not be completed without the glory of Joseph. Because the book of Genesis is an exact replica of the program of God for humanity. That is why the Bible ends with someone in, on the throne. Read Revelation chapter 21, 22. The Bible ends with someone seated, worthy is the lamb, seated on the throne. He ends, the Bible ends with someone in glory. Genesis ends in someone in power and glory. And the rest of the Bible is all about God working on us, working on people, disciplining people to know how to work with him because for those he foreknew, he also called, predestined. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he glorifies. Our end is meant to be in glory. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. So our end is meant to be in glory. He said, we all, with like us in a glass, beholding us in the glass, 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3 verse um, um, 18, beholding us in the glass are being changed into the same image from what? From glory to glory, from glory to glory. So he says that it's a please God in bringing many sons to glory. Bringing Hebrews chapter 2, in bringing many sons to glory, our end is meant to be in glory. Genesis, uh, it is the Bible and your, ah, I like this, your Christian story is not the one that will end in shame. No way. I dare you to walk with God. You will not be put to shame. He said in Joel that my people shall never be put to shame. Joel 2, 30, 31, 29, 30, 31. My people shall never be put to shame. We have been called into glory. So that's why Genesis ends with this boy who was sent out of home when he was 17 years and stayed in prison until he was 30 years and then came onto the throne when he was 30 years and then his brothers came to bow to him when he was 40 years. It's a long process, but guess what? Some of you have suffered a few things since you decided to serve God. But don't worry, the story is not over yet. The story is not over yet. Tell someone, my story is not over yet. Never have I seen um, a a righteous, the righteous forsaken nor a seed beg for bread. All right, let me just finish this thing. So, but I, uh, Joseph took a wife from the Gentiles. How about Jesus? You want to know the wife of Jesus? I need to show you from scripture. In uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. Ephesus. Ephesians 5. I think it will be good to read from 23. 23. For the husband is the head of the, the wife. Can I hear all wives to say amen? Amen. We may be clever, but it doesn't mean we are wise. There's a difference between being clever and being wise. The word of God, the Bible says, to make you wise. He said from from childhood, Paul wrote to Timothy, I think 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, or 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy 2, verse 15, that you have known the scriptures from childhood, which is able to make you wise. In Psalm 119, verse 98 and 99, he says that your word has made me wiser than my teachers, my instructors. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 17, it says, verse 7, sorry, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Bible says that God made Solomon wiser than all men on earth. Wisdom comes from God. There are actually four types of wisdom. Devilish wisdom, worldly wisdom, fleshly wisdom, and godly wisdom. 
all he's spoken about in James chapter 5. So God's wisdom is what will make you reign in life. That is why when Pharaoh asked Jacob, what shall we do? Jacob, Joseph. Joseph said, look for someone who is wise and let him manage the affairs. Pharaoh said, who can we find in whom we, Genesis chapter 41 verse 38, in whom is the spirit of God? In whom is the, because the wise men couldn't tell me anything in Egypt. So working with God makes you wise. And the word of God is saying that wives submit to your husband. I know what you are thinking, but what if he's not a good man? What? So that's why you have to take your time to marry someone you can submit. He says that for husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And the husband said, yeah, you see, okay, let's see what Christ did. And he gave, and he is the savior of the body. You must be the savior of your wife. Husband, be ready to die. Ask me, I won't die for anybody, you know. You are not ready to be a husband. I feel like preaching. I see, I told you, you will not have a dream. My son, my daughter. I told you, God will speak to you through me. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Gotta finish this. Thing. So, so, hey, having finished his wife. Okay, let's talk about the wife. Okay. Joseph married a gentle wife. Put it back on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse. And then, so he's the savior of the body. Every husband, before you boast about how good a husband is, let's check how, how well you are saving your wife and children. One of your dreams is that your wife wouldn't have to be any, whether she ends or not, you will take care of everything. Uh, that's nice as a man. You will get there. You can changes the dynamics, but you will get there, okay? The next verse. <laughs> the next verse. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wife be. Let's do, I, I, want, I want the husband bit. Go, go quickly. The husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and died for the church. Watch, watch this. So it looks like when it comes to husband and wife here, God is talking about Christ and the church. So there's a relationship between Christ and the church, which is very husband and wife or marital. So when you look at it, go to the next verse, watch this, watch this. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, look, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. God, Christ died purposely to present the church as a wife. And guess what? You know you are not a Jew. You are not Jewish. All of us here, I don't know if there's one Jew here yet. But guess what? When he's coming, he's coming for this church. Every church all over the world, we are one. We are like the Gentiles whom Christ has gotten married to. So Joseph married a Gentile wife. Christ married a Gentile wife. In fact, Revelation chapter 19, look at this, you, you, you will like this. Revelation chapter 19 verse 7. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all read it together. Say, the lamb and his wife. Please say it again. Who is the lamb? Who is the wife? The church. And the church is a gentle. Mix up a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. And the Jews in the church are a few. The church is large from Peter. All throughout generations, people who have lived is made up, it's the church. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about so that he can make both one, the two, both Jews and Gentiles. Make one, make us one. So we are one called the church, we are one called the church, and Christ is coming for his bride. So Christ. In fact, in John chapter 3, verse 29, it talks about the groom coming for his bride. John chapter 3, verse 29. This is where they came and told John the Baptist that the guy is baptizing more people than you. (laughs) And I like John, you know. Verse 27, John said, a man can receive nothing. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. 28. That's, that's, that's my foundation of my scripture, personally. So I don't rush in life. I rather rush towards God because a man can receive nothing 
accept the giving. When someone's marriage is announced, don't be jealous. Yes. Remember that a man can receive nothing except it's given to her. When someone gets a new house, a new car, a new job, a promotion, don't be jealous. Let this be your uh, ruling scripture. But a man can receive nothing except it be given to. If you try and compete with some people, you will hurt yourself. Because, listen, God is, if God is behind their blessing, you cannot replicate that. You cannot replicate that. You try it. Get yourself sold into Egypt. See if you become a, a prime minister. <laughs> Al-Qaeda will kill you, or some of those terrorists will kill you. They'll kill you. So, when God is blessing somebody, please don't try and copy it. Just walk with God and your portion is surely coming. So, John answered, go to the next verse, please, and I need to finish this thing. You yourself bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Watch this. Look at 29. Look at 29. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. So John said, the people who came to you and baptized, I'm the bridegroom. Sorry, I, I, I'm not the The Christ, I have baptized them, but Christ is the one, okay. But the, I'm the friend of the bridegroom, okay. Who stands, hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. They came and told him, people are going to Jesus. They are leaving your church and going to Jesus' church. John the Baptist said, listen, he, the one who has the bride, he is the bridegroom. Jesus has got the people who are going to him. He is a bride. So Jesus actually is a bridegroom. That's the point I'm trying to make. He came on earth as a bridegroom, coming to find his gentle wife, just like Joseph. Isn't it amazing? And you don't. Pastor, what, what blesses me about Jesus so much is that you don't have to be all good from the beginning. He married you because he died for you. And when you read Ephesians about husbands and wife, what blew my mind, and that text I've still been struggling to understand it very well. I'm getting it a bit more, but I think verse 31, 33 or so. He says, Ephesians chapter 1, chapter, chapter 5, verse 31, talking about husbands and wife. Let me show you this. You have to know this. We always, always read these things in weddings. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become. Is it not wedding scripture? Go to the next, watch this, go to the next point. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ. That's what, this thing, caught me. A man shall leave, so you are not talking about actual wife, husband and wife? To be joined to his uh, uh, bride, uh, wife, to become one flesh. He said, it's a great mystery, but actually I'm talking about Christ and the church in a marital relation where we become one great mystery. That thing, I said, oh, so the marriage thing, husband and wife, that is it not one flesh still? I've been thinking about it. It's still one flesh, but it's typifying actually something real. Real marriage, I like what Bishop Daggerwood Mill said some time ago in his preaching. He said, listen, how many of you are, are married or have been married before, or uh, yeah, married or have been married before? Let me see my hand. Oh, you see the fraction? That's UK. Look, only about 40% here. So I have to be talking about this marriage thing a lot. Oh. <laughs> All right, how many of you have intentions to get married? So those of you who didn't lift your hand, what kind of, what, what are you? <laughs> who are you? Okay, but because of the, Political situations, I won't comment any further. Let me leave it like that because some people are, are meant not to be married anyway. Whatever, whatever. But look at this. Bishop Dark said, How many of you are married? I'm looking for some married person here. Yes. Christ, you. Oh, you. Ma'am, how long have you been married, sir? Ma'am? About 30 years. Ago. Oh, 30 years. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you know that 30 is a long time? <laughs> it's like your age, yes. Has it been all rosy throughout? No. No, it hasn't been. If you get married, you, you are supposed to be marrying this year, right to your feet. If you get married, never think that your husband can 
fully satisfy you in every way. No. The way you look, some brothers will look at you and think that, oh, if I get this woman, they, they don't know what they may be asking for. Please, thank you very much. Please, let's appreciate them. Thank you very much. The point I want to make here is no one human being can fully satisfy you because it doesn't exist. No one human being can fully satisfy you and make you feel so fulfilled. Some of us are waiting to be married to be fulfilled. You're about to, to get a big shock of your life. You will actually be frustrated, not fulfilled, frustrated. Because if you enter for fulfillment, you will run out of, uh, you will run out because of frustration. Yes. Marriage can never fulfill any man, even though it can have some fulfilling dimensions. It can never, because this thing is actually, it will take Christ and the church. So God has reserved your fulfillment in Christ. It's true. It's true. Praise God. That's it. Your fulfillment is in Christ. Your fulfillment is in Christ. So whether you are single or double, or uh, couple, or what, <laughs> whether you are single or singing, it does not matter. You can still find fulfillment. I was fulfilled before I got married. The only thing marriage brought into my life is that I have a wife. But you know what it means to have a wife. That's the only thing for a Christian, proper Christian brother. That's the only thing. <laughs> so I can have my children. Because I cannot have children with my sisters. I cannot have children with my mother. I need a wife. <laughs> <laughs> but that is so profound that there's no way marriage is not meant to bring you for total fulfillment no. the only way you can get fulfillment is in Christ and he said that's why I said this thing I'm talking about is actually concerning Christ and the church so Joseph married a gentile wife uh, a gentile wife and Christ also married a gentile wife. But because of brevity of time, I have chosen to end the message here. I'll continue tomorrow, Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. Don't you think it's a good idea? At our prayer meeting, I'll continue. Because it's, it's, time is up, we have to stop. But remember, when you read the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, everything's about Christ. All the prophecies are about Christ. Every prophecy is, ooh, ooh. Sir, no prophecy in scripture is genuine unless it is pointing to Christ. Okay, okay. It must be pointing to Christ. Everything Christian, every prayer I pray for you, we pray for you. If it is not pointing you to Christ, it's not a godly prayer. There's nothing Christian without Christ. Yes. If there's no Christ centered, if it's not Christ centered, it's not Christian. Christ. So if you take the Christ from Christianity, you have entity. Yes. You are an Ian. You are not a Christian. You are just an Ian. Human Ian. Head Ian. Yes. Uh, something Ian. Yes. <laughs> Christ is the center of it all. Amen. And my prayer for you is that Christ will find the central place in your heart. Christ will find the central place in your heart to bring you salvation, bring you revelation of secrets, and to sustain your life. In Jesus' name. Did you receive something at all? Would you put your hands together for the Lord? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, I want to pray for a special group of people here. You are in the auditorium, you're building, and you know that you want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to let Jesus come into my life. I want to surrender my life to Jesus and invite him to be my Lord and Savior. I've been meaning to do that, and I know God is calling me. Today, I don't want to postpone it. He's the only one who can bring me into my life. He's the only one who died to save me. And I want to invite him that, Lord, I want to save you. I have decided to follow Jesus. You want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I've decided to follow Jesus, to be a true worshiper. I want to be a true and invite him to my heart. If that's your genuine prayer, slip up your right hand so I can see it and pray with you right now. 
you can run and come. It's not too late. You can run and come. Please lift up your two hands, those of you in front. Lift up your two hands as a sign of surrenderance and say this after me from your heart, a minute personal from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me for my sins because I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. Please forgive me. Wash me with your blood. From today, I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my personal savior. I'll walk with you. I'll save you. Thank you for this great opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. They heard your voice. They've taken this step. I pray open heavens upon their lives. I pray help them to walk with you in truth and in spirit. Help them to serve you faithfully and make a difference with their lives in the body of Christ. As we all prepare for your second coming, we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And all shall say, Amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.